the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We need to pray when things are turning sour and it's oppressing us. We need to pray that God would intervene. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilbert. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, log on to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. Well, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 43, and I entitled this message... A game of cat and mouse. That's an interesting game, playing cat and mouse. It dates back to 1675, but really it's been alive ever since cats and mouse <laughs> have been there. Okay, you know a cat, well sometimes it'll, it'll catch a mouse and it doesn't just kill it right away. It plays with it. It toys with it. It just messes with it. You know, it finally, it's going to be its demise, but, but it'll let it go for a long time. See, it captures and it repeats. It allows it to escape, but it gets it again. It just means you know you can catch a person, but you enjoy the pursuits. That's the game of cat and mouse. And that's exactly what happened with Joseph and his brothers because of the famine in the land. It was a famine that God gave a preview to Pharaoh that it was coming, and he gave him a dream. But yet Pharaoh had no clue what that dream meant. He had a dream about seven healthy and strong, good-looking cows being eaten by seven skinny and ugly weak cows. Now, when he shared this dream with his magicians and all the wise men of Egypt, they couldn't interpret his dream. That's when the cupbearer, that's kind of his right-hand man, remembered that he was in prison two years earlier because of a false incrimination thing against him, but he was put under the care of Joseph, who happened to be in prison on false charges of attacking his master's wife, which he didn't, and he had shared that dream with Joseph. And Joseph correctly interpreted his dream because God gave him the interpretation. And upon getting out of prison, he said, you will get out of prison three days from now. And it happened exactly as Joseph had told the cupbearer it would happen. And all Joseph asked the cupbearer says, listen, please remember me when you get out and you get before Pharaoh again. And please get me out of this dungeon because I've been falsely accused. Yet the Bible tells us that the cupbearer got out in three days, just like he said, but that he forgot Joseph. Don't you hate when people forget us? You know, it's so easy to forget other people. Why is that? Maybe it's because everybody is so, well, caught up with thinking about themselves, looking out for number one, you know, watching their own backs, you know, that we just simply forget those that are around us. 
But as you know, God gave the interpretation of Pharaoh's dream to Joseph. And they called him out of the prison to come and and listen to the dream. And, And he shared the dream. And Joseph was able to share with him that the seven strong, healthy cows that Pharaoh dreamed of, that represented seven years of great abundance where there was going to be so much food produced. But yet it was followed by the seven weak and ugly skinny cows that ate the healthy fat cows. That represented seven years of famine that would follow the seven years of abundance and it would actually consume those seven years of abundance. Well, after Pharaoh heard the interpretation of his dream, he realized that there was a God in heaven that gave the interpretation to this young man, Joseph. And this was a warning for him to prepare for those seven years of famine that was coming. And that's when he made Joseph the second most powerful man in Egypt, only under Pharaoh himself. So he said, look, I need a wise man to really, you know, govern the land for these next seven years of abundance so that we can stock up for those other years of of famine that are coming. Who can I get to be such a wise man to do this? Obviously, it's you, Joseph. So he raised him up and granted Joseph, you know, that place, a position of the second most powerful man on the face of the earth. It's like Egypt was a world-governing empire at the time. And then God blessed Joseph with great wisdom in those years of plenty to store up that food for the coming famine. Well, as we saw last time in our study, the famine reached all across the region, including the land of Canaan, where Joseph's family lived. Now, Jacob, his father, who thought Joseph was dead because after his brothers sold him as a slave into Egypt, they told their father that, well, he was eaten by a wild animal. Well, here we are now, some 20 years later, in a severe famine, you know, and Joseph's family is out of food. And Jacob sent his sons to Egypt to buy food. Now, Everyone that had to buy food from Egypt, and they were from a foreign land, had to come and stand before Joseph himself. Now, they, of course, had no idea that the prime minister of Egypt, this man who is the second most powerful man there is next to Pharaoh himself, was their little brother Joseph. They had no idea. Again, 20 years had passed. You know, you know. remember Joseph was just 17 years old when he was sold by his brother. He's, he's a full-grown man now. And plus, he's all dressed like an Egyptian, speaking Egyptian and all of this. You know, so the first time that they came to get food, we looked at last time, Joseph was extremely harsh with them. And he sent them away holding Simeon back in prison. He says, you guys are all spies. You're liars. You know, they said, no, no, no. He says, well, if you have a little brother which he knew they did. He says, you bring him back and, and, and you better bring him back next time because I don't want to see your face and I'm going to hold one of you in prison here. And of course, they held Simeon. I wonder why they picked Simeon. You know, maybe Simeon was the one who was the most harsh out of all the brothers. Maybe it was Simeon that was the most unforgiving Maybe it was Simeon that was pushing all those years ago to get rid of Joseph in the first place. Maybe when Joseph was being taken away by the Ishmaelite slave traders as a slave, maybe he was the one that was laughing the hardest. Well, we're not told, so we don't know. 
But we do know this, back in chapter 34, after the attack of their little sister Dinah, remember when she was molested by that one guy, that it was Simeon and Levi that went to the city of the prince who attacked their sister. And after convincing the men, because they said, well, look, you know, yes, maybe we shouldn't have attacked your sister, but, but our little prince here, he wants to marry her now and, and make her a good woman. And so would you give her hand in, in marriage? And they're thinking, you attacked our sister, you stinking dog. It's like, all right, the only way that we'll allow you to marry our sister is if you all get circumcised. And they're like, sure, great, sounds good. What circumcision? <laughs> so they told them. And all of a sudden they're like, uh... Okay, so they all get circumcised. Well, on the third day when they're all in pain, it was Simeon and Levi. They went through and killed all the men. Wow, okay, so they were pretty ruthless with these guys, although they kind of deserved it, yes, but anyway. But uh, yeah, so you could say maybe Simeon had an unforgiving spirit. Well, in our last study a couple weeks ago, we left off with Simeon being left behind and Joseph letting the rest go. But halfway home, they all realized as they looked into their sacks of food that all their money that they paid for the food was in their sacks. And they thought, no, this is not good. They were scared. Oh, no, they thought, oh, this mean man, this prime minister in Egypt, he's going to think that we stole the food and didn't pay for it. And the last verses of chapter 42 ended with Jacob's sons telling their father, the only way that we can go back, you know, uh, to get our other brother back is to bring our little brother Benjamin with us. And Jacob responded to that with, "Uh, no, it's not going to happen. Not ever, not now, not ever. Simeon can rot in prison, but Benjamin is not going to leave here. He's my favorite son, and I don't want to take any chance on anything happening to him like his brother Joseph lost his life. Well, with all of that as a backdrop, let's go to Genesis 43. We'll pick up in verse 1. It says, now the famine was severe in the land. When the Bible says it was severe, oh, it was severe. So it came about when they had finished eating the grain which they had bought from Egypt the first time that their father said to them, this is Jacob saying, hey, go back and buy us some more food. Verse three, well, Judah spoke to him, however, saying the man talking about the prime minister who they didn't know was their brother solemnly warned us, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. Which brother? There's 12 brothers. Oh, no, no, no. Benjamin, the little brother, which happens to be the only brother that was born besides Joseph out of the favored wife of Jacob, Rachel, okay? So it's his true little brother. So he says, hey, you better not come back here unless you have Benjamin with you. If you send our brother with us, hey, dad, send Benjamin with us and we'll go down and we'll buy food. But if you do not send him, we will not go down for this man said to us, you will not see my face unless your brother is with you. Then Israel, who is Jacob, said, Well, why did you treat me so badly by telling the man whether you had another brother? But they said, Well, the man questioned us, you know, particularly about our relatives saying, Is your father still alive? Have you another brother? So we answered his questions. Could we possibly know that he would say, Bring your brother down? 
And Judah said to his father Israel, send the lad with me and we will arise and go that we may live and not die as well as you and our little ones. Because hey, the famine was severe, right? So man, they don't have any food to eat. Verse 9. I myself will be the surety for him. You may hold me responsible for him. If I do not bring him back, Dad, to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame before you forever. For if we had not delayed, surely by now we could have, you know, been there and returned twice. Verse 11, then their father uh, Israel said to them, well, if it must be so, then do this. Take some of the best products of the land in your bags. Okay, listen, we got to butter this guy up here. Okay, we got we to gotta make nice with this guy. Carry down to the man, you know, a present, a little balm, a little honey, Aramaic gum, you know, myrrh, pistachio nuts. That would have had me right there, man. I love pistachio nuts. Okay, man, all right, you got me on that one. And almonds, and take double the money, and take back in your hand the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. So make sure you take the money that was supposed to buy the first food. Give that money back. And take your brother also, take Benjamin, and arise, return to the man. And may God Almighty grant you compassion in the sight of this man, so that he will release to you your other brother and Benjamin. So you get Simeon and bring Benjamin back. And as for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. Wow. Well, that's a lot of text, but you got the whole story. Yes, as the game of cat and mouse continues, Joseph is toying with his brothers. They have no idea what's happening here. But without question, Joseph is in the driver's seat. Let's not forget, he's the only one that knows that this famine is going to last for seven years. See, I don't think they were ever planning on going back to Egypt. I guess it was like, hey, too bad for you, Simeon. <laughs> you, know, you know, we left you there in prison. We were never planning on coming back. You know, it's like you're kind of a dog brother anyway, so see ya. Okay, so I don't think they were ever planning on going back. But the severe famine, it just kept on going. So now they have to return a second time. For they are all out of food again. And their father Jacob says, go back and get some more food from Egypt. But Judah reminded him of what they were told from the last time. For Joseph had accused them of being liars, remember? And of course they were liars. For they had told their father that a wild animal ate Joseph. You know, when in all actuality, they sold him as a slave all because of their jealousy of him. So Judah said, he made us promise that if we come back, we must bring our little brother Benjamin. And that's where Jacob gets angry with him in verse 6. He goes, what's wrong with you guys? Why did you tell him that you had another brother? You had 10 of you guys there. You had to tell him you had another brother? And Judah quickly replies, well, he was grueling us, dad. What are we supposed to do? He's asking us all kinds of questions regarding our family. Understand, Joseph was asking them all kinds of questions probably for two main reasons. Number one, you know, he was genuinely concerned for his family, particularly his father's. My father's still alive is what he was asking. And his younger brother, Benjamin, man, I want to hear about them. But number two, He had to teach these brothers a lesson, these dogs who sold him as a slave two decades earlier. And they had no clue 
that this harsh man in Egypt was her little brother, Joseph. So Judah, who ends up being the chosen child of Jacob out of his 12 sons to be in the genealogy of the future Messiah, Savior, Jesus Christ, he actually tried to save the life of Judah, uh, of Joseph at one point, Judah did, you know, when his other brothers wanted to kill him. You know, so, you know, Judah says to Jacob, look, Dad, I'm not going back to Egypt without Benjamin. I wonder if he was just done being a liar. I wonder if he was just over all of his deceptive ways. I am sick of this. I'm playing everything upright. I'm showing all my cards. I wonder how many times Judah laid awake at night in anguish about what had happened to his little brother Joseph. Isn't it amazing how you can do something two decades ago and it still rides on you? It still rides on you all those many years ago, and it's still there. Because if you don't deal with it before God, it's going to be there, and it will go with you all the way to your grave. Well, we're not told any of those things, though, of course, you know, with absolute certainty. But what we do know is this. He was tired of any kind of deception. He said in verse 9, Dad, hold me personally responsible for the life of our little precious brother Benjamin. And if I don't bring him back to you, then I will bear all the future blame forever. Verse 10 said, I could have already went to Egypt and returned twice now, saying, hey, look, Dad, we got like 70 people here. I've got kids. We've got these 10 brothers, wives, kids. It's like, we're all hungry. We're all starving here. I could have been there and back twice. We need to get some food and we need it now. Well, obviously he was able for the sake of the whole family who was feeling this pinch of the, the famine to really persuade his dad, Jacob, to take now his favorite son, the only son left from his favored wife, Rachel, Benjamin. He says, take him to Egypt. Jacob said, okay, now listen, you're going to take many gifts for this man. I don't know why he's being so mean with you guys. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how you set this guy off. But let's bring him gifts to this stern leader of Egypt, who again happens to be his lost son, Joseph. Who would have ever guessed? Jacob did what we all need to do when we find ourselves faced with hardship. Jacob did what we need to do when we find ourselves filled with trials and difficult circumstances. And when they all rest at the threshold of our hearts, we need to do what he said in verse 14. We need to pray. May the God Almighty grant us compassion in the sight of this man. We need to pray when things are turning sour, when we got a supervisor, someone over us, someone that's oppressing us. We need to pray that God would intervene, that he would bring compassion in our sight. Because when we're dealing with those in the world, those that have authority over us, we should always be praying and asking God to soften their hearts towards us. God can intervene in your life at any given moment. I think about what we're told in Proverbs 21.1. It says the king's heart, talking about the wicked king, by the way, 
He says the king's heart or any of those that are in authority over us, their heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. So it doesn't matter who your landlord is. It doesn't matter who your boss is. Ultimately, God can change his heart. Yes, there are many times that we could stumble and fall in front of our enemies. Yet at any given moment, God could step in for us. He could change someone's heart that's above us, even if they're a non-Christian. Those who are making our lives miserable, he can work. If there's anything that we learn from anything else. It's like God is favorable towards us, his children. See, Jacob had learned over the years, he learned this, we need God's compassion. The original word for compassion in the Hebrew means mercy. See, mercy is not getting what you deserve, okay, but rather God giving you favor instead. So when we seek for God's compassion, we are not looking for what we deserve. Don't ever pray to God, God, give me what I deserve. Lightning bolt comes down, there's a ball of ashes, okay? Okay, so no, never pray that God gives you what you deserve, okay? We're looking for compassion. We're looking for mercy. We're looking for favor. We're looking for God's grace. You know, they needed this man to grant them favor. This is why it's so important for us to treat others with compassion. We should treat others with tenderness because we will all, listen, we will all be judged in the same manner as the severity in which we judge those around us. Did you get that? See, the way that we're going to be judged, we will be judged based on the same severity that you judge others. This is why we need to be very compassionate with those around us. Matthew 7, 2, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this, For in the way that you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. You know, so easy to look at a speck in someone's eye. God's saying, why don't you take the telephone pole out of your own eye first, then you can take the speck out of your brother's eye. Yes, we should always think twice about the way that we treat other people. For we will reap the same treatment by others as we have treated those around us. And how much more should we treat those with love and compassion, those that we love? How much more should we do that? Those that are closest to us, those that, that we that we really care about. So since we're asking about this or we're talking about it right now, let me just ask you here today, since we're all here, how is that going for you? How do you treat others around you? How do you treat your spouse? How do you treat your children? How do you treat your stepchildren? How do you treat your neighbor? How do you treat your coworkers? Again, we might be the only Bible that those around us will ever read. That's if they know that you're a Christian. 
So what are they reading in your life? I mean, are the people reading in your life uh, nothing but a life filled with drama? Oh, yeah, there's the Christian. Yeah, they're the ones that are always filled with drama. I think they got baptized in lemon juice because they're just kind of just a little tart, a little nasty, you know. Maybe you're just a mystery to people. They look at you like they can't figure you out. Maybe all you talk is in Christianese. Oh, yeah, it's all about the blood, brother. Oh, yes, sister. What, blood? The blood? What are you talking? It's all about the blood? I mean, all they're thinking is they have to go jump in a jacuzzi filled with pig blood or something. I mean, they don't, they don't even know what that means, you know? Maybe you're just a mystery to them. They can't figure you out. Or worse yet, they just see nothing in you. You're a Christian, but it's kind of a blank slate. You never talk to anyone about the Lord. Don't forget We as Christians, we're called to point people to Christ. This is our purpose. This is why we're still here today. It's why the rapture hasn't happened yet, because we still have an opportunity to tell others about Jesus. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app, available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and as a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.